ass back, man. Look. What up, everybody? It's your boy, Cousin Oz, the People's Mailman, back for another episode with Cousin Tony the Architect. On today's episode, we dive deep, and I mean deep into the history of the hobby with Mr. RPS himself. That's right, Peter Pac-Man. Yo, this dude's passion and charisma for the hobby is unparalleled, and I can go on all day with the superlatives, but I'm going to go ahead and let my man Pac-Man do his thing. Hey, yo, Slick, holla at him. Y'all tucked in? Here we go. All right, my man, Peter Pac-Man. Welcome to the Cousins Collectibles Podcast. So let's get into it, my brother. Cousin Tony and I are honored, first of all, to have you on. And I'm trying to figure out what it is that you guys don't do. I mean, seriously, man, from hobby historian to super content creators, hip-hop wordsmiths with your boys, RPS, Rip Pack and Slab. You know, your fellow family members, Rip Hamiltops and Slabby Sosa. I mean, dude, the creativity is just flowing from you guys. Please share with our audience your hobby journey from when you started collecting as a kid, you know, at an early age to right now you're a hobby mogul. You know what I mean? Please bless us with your background story. Man, man, thank you. Great, great question, man. Uh, it, our, our, our story starts off like a lot of people's story. I, I probably started collecting when I was, I was born in 1983. I'm 38, I think, or 39. I'm, I always forget my age and all that, but I know I was born in 83. And I probably collected, first time I can remember collecting cars somewhere between the age of seven and nine. I know this because I have completed sets from, from back then, from like 1990 and 1989. So I know I was collecting and I was privileged in my own right, bro. Um, growing up during that time in the eighties, my parents didn't have a lot. We lived in an apartment in Berkeley, California. And there were days where we would literally go to our neighbors and ask for bread, milk, eggs. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg's mom actually lived in a house next door. And we yeah. didn't know who she was at the time, but we would go to her and she would hook us up sometimes. So we didn't have a lot, but at the same time, we, our parents, we had some toys, we had cards, we had more than other kids had, you know what I mean? So cards was something not the most expensive ones, but cards was something that my dad allowed us to have and put in our put in our lives early or allowed us to put in on our lives early. We go to flea markets, um, local card shops. That was something we did almost every weekend. And we were allowed to buy cards, uh, uh, the Costco or the Price Club. It was called Price Club back in the day. Um, they used to sell cards. You, Whenever we go there and do the family shopping, we get cards from there. So it, it all started seven, seven, eight, nine. And I collected literally all the way up until now. You know what I mean? I was never into the scene as far as buying and trading and selling. I didn't know that existed. You know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't know that the opportunities for investing and careers and just the opportunities, I didn't know those existed. I thought it was just collecting. When, there was no such thing as graded cards when I was collecting. It was still, everything was raw. You know what I mean? And even when graded cards came into existence, it didn't appeal to me because I didn't know anything about it. All I knew was I like this player. I like this card. Let's collect it. You know what I mean? So that's where it started. Um, in middle school, seventh, eighth grade is probably when it, it declined a little bit uh, because of, yeah, I started chasing, playing sports and, and trying to chase girls and trying to do things that girls like, not know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thinking they didn't like cards, but really I had a traumatic experience with some friends that had came over um, for a sleepover, a party, and they stole my cards. You know what I mean? My friends stole my cards and then come to school with me the next day and then try and trade me my stolen cards and things like that. Or I go to their house and I see the stolen cards. Yeah. So that made me become more of a closet collector. So from, from 14 to 36, 37, I was collecting, buying wax, holding it, ripping it, whatever, just for myself though. You know what I mean? I try and bring my friends and family into it as much as possible. Slabby would always rip with me. Um, so a lot of my friends trail would always rip with me, but, um, slab about two years ago, or a year and a half slab ran in here. He ran in the garage and he said, bruh, I've been trying to look on, um, alternative ways to invest. I want to start investing in things because he, him and job like to invest. And, uh, 
he said, man, I'm gonna start investing in sports cars. And that lit my eyes up. My younger brother said he wants to invest in sports cars. I've been in his ear my whole life. Like, bro, this is where it's at. In 2013, I had we were driving around to car shops. He was just with me and I was buying 86 Fleers. I was buying Curry rookie cards. Like bro, in 20, 30 years, this is going to be the stuff. You feel me? So <laughs> he ran into the garage one day, uh, two years ago, like, bro, I think you're right. This is going to be the stuff in 20, 30 years. So we start doing research together and it just rekindled my flame to want to, to be in the hobby. And, uh, yeah, once he did that, we started making investments again, more so on wax than anything, because that's that's my thing. But that's that's really and it 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 forced me to uh learn more about the hobby and study more about the hobby too, because the the stuff that was being shown wasn't really appealing to me in the manner it was being shown. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's what's short. Up, man. Yeah, yeah, I got you, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome though, man. That's awesome. But uh yeah, well, hopefully some of your friends have learned that, you know, that probably wasn't the right thing to do. And, you know, what I mean, they, they learned their lesson. But <laughs> now um, now you, you talk about how you could like you can teach a history lesson using trading cards. So, like, let's yeah. dive into that. Yeah. What have you learned with your research that you've you know, that you've been doing with that? I've learned a lot, bro. I mean, this is really first of all, like when, when was the first card printed? You know, what I mean, when it was the first card we can. So my research always takes me further and further back, right? If, so my first time I dove into it and started Googling and looking through books, it was 1868 with Peck and Snide. They had a, a baseball shop and they were at, they wanted to sell their equipment. So they're advertising games um, on cards with the players and the teams and stuff with the schedules, you know what I mean? But then you look back further and you find out that there's trading cards with men and women from the 1850s and 60s. You know what I mean? And they're not necessarily sporting cards. You might see animals. You might see women um, that look like maids or doing all types of other things. You know, you see gentlemen. I had some around here. I don't know where they at. You might see guys just doing miscellaneous things, but they were trading cards. Right. So you're like, OK, they had to be the 1850s. But then. You can go back to the Ming Dynasty. I read a story once on the Ming Dynasty, how um, it was so bad at, at, at one part during that time to where there was this, it was an actual game that they played. It was actually like a board game and there were cards in the game. The cards um, depicted uh, uh, pictures of people and things, right? But they weren't trading cards. They were cards for the game. But in that time, money was so scarce and people weren't doing so bad in this particular area people used to trade those cards as currency you know what i mean so so it all depends on what your definition and your view is you know what i mean on that on, on how far you want to take it back and then it all and then you go back to just the, the 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 art and the techniques or the the things that they use on the uh, on the cars, like to make it chromium. I forgot how to pronounce it and say it. The lithography, 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 or something like that. Okay. Like that stuff dates back. You know, what I'm saying a long, long time ago. So, so what were saying, they doing with this? You, you say, say what? they had they had chrome cards back in the day. <laughs> they had. If you look, they had like people were making pictures with chrome. You know, they were experimenting wow. with this type of design. Like it just has you thinking, well, who was the first? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you find out who that guy was, and you start thinking, well, who inspired him? You right. know. But but like for the general public, it's fun for me. It's fun to start at 1868. It is. It's easier and it's fun because you start from Peck and Snide, and then from there you automatically jump into when tobacco companies uh, took took play took over. You know what I mean? And um, specifically, uh, William, William and Sons, I believe, was the first ones like they 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 had the first monopoly. You know what I mean? It was them. And then there was a leaf, a different leaf than what we know today. But then it was like them and leaf and that's it. But Williamson, they they had they had all the tobacco, you know what I mean? And they they started putting cards onto their products. And then in Brown in 1911. They had the uh, Tobacco Act. People were saying, hey, y'all got a monopoly. Y'all own all the cards and all the tobacco. It's all bad. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> Sound familiar, right? Like, you've seen these patterns throughout every 15 to 20 years in, in the hobby. You see a monopoly. You see it broke down. You see somebody else take over. That's one thing that you can see. If you study from 1868 to today, every 15 to 20 years, there's a monopoly broken down. And there's new people who come in in new ways. It's just a repeat of history, right? So in 1911, I believe they they broke the monopoly down 
But it was some slick stuff to keep it still within the group economics and the same people winning. Because when they broke it down from a monopoly, I can't pronounce a lot of these words. I know I'm 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 the dean of students because I can't teach anything in class. I'm good with <laughs> and life lessons and building rapport and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it's pronounced an apology or something like that. It's supposed to be the opposite of a monopoly to where instead of five people owning everything, now 15 people own everything. What's the difference? It's the same 15 people. Right. Like they just gave <laughs> the business to that cousin. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, they brought their cousin it's in. The and, same yeah. thing, it's the same thing that you see happening today. If we just skip through all that, let people do their research, fast forward to today, we'll just, I know we're going to jump into it, but we talk about one minute. One well, minute is a byproduct of collectible. Collectible is a byproduct of IMG. IMG is a byproduct of endeavor. You know, you you know what I'm saying? The ins yeah. and outs and the workings. You know, I like to study that stuff. You yeah. know, like who owns them, why, how they get there, what inspired them, just little things like that. But it leads you to learn about the cards, and then that that opens up doors to like, man, how come this has never been implemented in a hobby? How come yeah. nobody's tried this? How come nobody's done that? How come they did that and it failed? You know, so that's the that's what really intrigues us about learning more about the hobby. Man, talk about a rabbit hole. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> diving deep, diving deep. That that that's deep, man. You know, I, I knew you were doing your research, but sheesh. Yeah, that's I mean, that's, looks, that's that's some stuff, man. That that's a lot, you know, more than I'm telling me. Well, yeah, there's six cards of this one, and there's 25 <laughs> of each. Like that's 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 way beyond. Yeah, this has 12 <laughs> parallels. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You're talking, talking some real. stuff. Yeah, like, look, this this is this is from probably three years ago. Like, I literally take notes. Wow. Like, I used to go on Wikipedia or Google and just type in the company's name and write down any and everything that's relevant, find names, similarities, start pointing dots. I'm like, oh, so this is how it's working. Some of my binders up there aren't filled with cards. They fill with stuff I printed out about the hobby that I just wanted to read on my own many years ago. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Dude, that's yeah, respect, man. That's that's putting in work. That is putting in work. Yes, sir. Yes, Got to put sir. paint where it ain't. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all doing. We just trying to put paint where it ain't. That's all. That's it, man. And you just trying to educate, you know, the hobby. You know, you, you just got to put your your stuff out there and let people know, listen, it's not just this. And we, you know, seriously, dude, that's that's unbelievable. Now, getting back to what you was talking about earlier, um, when your brother came in, you said he ran into the garage and talking about, yo, we, we really need to do something with this hobby. I mean, he kind of birthed the whole you know, content creation. So when he yeah. came on board, I, I believe you guys started doing those video skits. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When he came on board, we started with the skits. Yeah. So it was just you and your brother, right? Slabby Sosa doing the skits. And then um, for those of you who don't know, um, former Detroit Lion, Javid Best running back. That's your cousin, correct? Correct. Yeah. And that's Rip Hamilton. So it's it's RPS. It's the, it's the three of you. Slabby Sosa and um, Rip Hamiltops. And then, uh, so the three of you guys, you formed the RPS, Rip, Pack, and Slab. And then um, I believe, from what I remember, Javid or Rip Hamiltops, he kind of took your, your stuff to the next level. He, he was like, yo, we're going to get you in the studio and we're going we to start recording some tracks. And at first, yeah. I believe you guys was like, nah, y'all crazy. We ain't doing that. <laughs> tell tell yeah. me about that. How did that all, you know, came about? What what, what did you guys want to accomplish with RPS? So when when after Marky came into the garage, uh, his name is Marcus. I call we call him Marky. That's my younger brother. He came into the garage. We instantly started making investments. You know what I mean? Like making plays. And then from there, we started. We, we, we literally thought it would be 20, 30 years from 2019 where we would see the boom that we saw in 1920. You know what I mean? We didn't, like literally, we were making these buys telling him that what, what happened, what we saw last year, we thought it was going to happen 20 years from now. And we were comfortable with that. We're fathers. We got kids. We're like, we're going to buy a Chrome box for each kid, a finest box for each kid. They're only a hundred bucks right now. Let's get them. Like now they a thousand bucks. You know what I'm saying? We're going to buy this select box and do this. So we were making those plays and, and then we said, man, we got to we got to start letting people know about this. Like this is too good. Like we I was so confident 
especially I already was confident in myself. And when my brother walked in and said, no, it's happening, then I knew it was something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we, our close family and friends, we started putting them on. You know, we started a little discord. We didn't know that the whole world had discord, bro. We were ignorant and naive to a lot. We didn't know there was a social media presence of cards. Like I was following a couple people who collected cards and who've been in the hobby, but I didn't know that they all, only people they followed was all hobby people. You know what I'm saying? I thought they were just, a, you know, a few, a few. So we, uh, when we first got back into the hobby, like, or we got into the hobby scene, we followed, bro. We saw people were breaking. I used to join breaks from 2013 to 2019, but it was nothing like the breaks are now. Like it was only high end stuff people were breaking and it was affordable buy-in prices for my budget. You know what I mean? So we started, I was sitting on a bunch of wax that I was buying for 50 bucks, 30 bucks. And I was going for $400. I'm breaking, I'm breaking. <laughs> so we started breaking, you know what I mean? Because even giving people a discount, we 10 X in everything. You know what I'm saying? So we start breaking, but it was only with friends and family. And we'd only do it on Zoom because we have a breaking format that the world hasn't seen yet. That's 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 fully inclusive and user more user friendly and user controlled or buyer controlled than anything. Full engagement. It's like it's crazy. So we started doing that and it was cool. The money was cool. You know what I'm saying? But it it was what every everybody else was doing and we 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 from all the research we were doing we felt like there was something else we could be doing to also have fun and enjoy that didn't take that much time then breaks took heck of time bro and it that's the part that wasn't fun to us you know what i'm saying like yeah. we used to go to retail stores we was retail hunters bro for 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 a long time heck yeah i was buying boxes for 20 and flipping them for whatever people would buy them for <laughs> i live in california it's not cheap. That's a hustle. That's a, if the big companies can 10x, I can 10x too. So we were living by that motto. And it, it took me a while to realize that all the people who work at Target, I take care of their kids on a daily basis. So all these years, they've been asking me, Coach Pete, how can we pay you back? When I finally said, hey, when these things get on the shelf, let me know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we were doing that. And bro, we shut that down though. We literally said, like, I can still be getting every box I want if I wanted to. But we said, nah, we don't, we're not buying no wax until somebody send us some wax. We want to do something that's never been done before and people recognize it and they send us wax. You feel me? So we started making skits based on our favorite movies growing up. Boys in the Hood, Don't Be a Menace and making them hobby relatable. You know what I'm saying? So to bring people in like us who can relate you know what I mean? To that type of stuff who don't know that that type of culture is alive in the hobby or can't exist in the hobby. You can mm -hmm. add that. You can bring it like we need that sauce, you know. So we started doing that. And that's when Javid hit us because Javid played in the NFL. But if he was here right now, he'd tell you he was signing them stickers because they was giving him money. You know what I mean? He didn't know what the hell he was signing at the time. He didn't know, the, you know what I'm saying? Anything. We got a nonprofit organization we've had for about seven, eight years. And for five years, he was pulling out Topps Chromes, Topps Chrome Refractors, signing them and handing out to kids in schools. He had a binder full of them. You know what I'm saying? And he was just handing them out to kids. We didn't, it was, it was just, you know what I'm saying? This is before we was, he was even in the hot at all. You know what I mean? Yep. And, um, I collected his cards when he first got into the league. He didn't, he didn't have no understanding about it whatsoever, but him seeing the skits made him want to look into it. You know what I mean? So he started joining our breaks. He started investing in, in wax and in slabs. He started seeing good returns and he's an investor. So if he sees a good return, he's like, okay, yeah, this is a healthy market. I see it. He started studying and see where it would benefit him. So we, we were playing around on a, on a group thread and we said, uh, yeah, Job, we're going to make a, a song. We're going to take a song off the radio and turn it into a hobby song. Like, we're going to do a parody. We're going to keep it funny and joking so people can laugh. And he said, nah, because he actually has a real musical background. He went to school, engineering school. When he was training for the Olympics in Arizona, he was going to an engineering school at the same time, A stat, four point, above a 4.0. You know what I'm saying? So he has some basic understanding of how to put stuff together in the studio. He's not a master at it, you know what I'm saying? But he he educated himself and he 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 got there. So he said, nah, y'all gonna make a real song. I'm gonna send y'all a beat with a hook. And we said, nah, bro, we don't rap. I've never rapped in my life. <laughs> it's not like I had a rap group growing up or I used to be the guy in the studio. <laughs> Me and my brothers, not those guys, all our friends and cousins, they really rap. Like these guys really, you know what I'm saying? I don't, 
I want to be a joke. I don't want people to take me serious. <laughs> you know? But Job pushed that creative line and we really, he really, he really made us think. He said, man, this could be historic. Like, yeah, people are gonna laugh, joke, but he's like, man, we're adults, we're five, like we don't care about that. We have careers, we have families, this is a hobby. We gotta bring everything about us, what we do to this hobby. You know what I'm saying? And we gotta, we gotta try and stay in our lane as much as we can. And when we figured out that just trying to um make the hobby relatable on what's relatable to us, you know what I mean? And then the music. We just felt like it was it was a glitch and I'm an educator. So even if I was a rapper, I wouldn't be able to rap about everything everybody else raps about. I can't lie like them because I get fired and lose my job if I lie like them, <laughs> like a lot of people lie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So so for me, it's kind of cool, too, that Rip inspired me to like, I don't think I've said one cuss word in a bar in a, in, in a rhyme yet. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's it's fun for me to be a role model in several different lanes. You know what I mean? And just be the same guy I am everywhere. And Rip Rip brought that along. There would be no hobby music if it wasn't for Rip. Slabby and I would just be remixing hobby songs, which probably would have got us more attention sooner or something, but it wouldn't have been historic and original. It would have been a joke. Yeah. Like, J- Job yeah. really, I, f- I feel like I can rap now. Like a year ago, I was saying I'm not a rapper and people were saying, no, you're okay. Now, like, I'm not gonna lie. I feel like I can rap now. It's only been a year and a half, but I feel like I can rap now. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's yeah. All job. yeah, I can attest, man. We we spent time listening to your music over the last week or so, and uh, and it, it's it's, you know, it's it's good stuff, and you can see the uh, the growth in the music. You, know, you you can tell, you can tell, like you know what I mean, yeah. I'm no rapper, but I can hear. <laughs> yeah. me, so, but uh, that's right what's up. Down. But now uh-huh. now let me switch gears a little bit on you. So, educator, basketball coach, family man. Let's break that down for a little bit. You know, like. Oz and I, we both coached youth basketball in the past as well. So how fulfilling is it to take those kids under your wing and watch them b- blossom under your tutelage? It's amazing, bro. We, we, I get to blossom with them. You know what I mean? Um, just to, just to see, see a kid start off at one point and then watch the growth, whether it's uh, skill wise, maturity wise, listening skills, um, being able to check for understanding and, you know, just absorb certain things. And it's a challenge as us, as you know, as basketball coaches, like every kid is different. You got to use different techniques sometimes and different things to, to build that rapport. You know what I mean? That trust. It's all about trust in a relationship. And we got to admit, I got to admit, I make a lot of mistakes. Like that's the only way that I'm able to learn. I was able to learn and be as good as I am now in this field is I made mistakes and the kids and the families allowed me to learn from those mistakes. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it, it, it's, it's, I wouldn't be here and who I am if it wasn't for the kids, if they didn't need a coach, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have anything. So as much as I feel good watching them grow and all that, I feel better just knowing that they teach me, man, like just knowing I learned so much from these kids. I work, the community I work in, it, it, it's 95% Hispanic. I've been there for 10 years. You know what I mean? And for them to accept me, it's a culture. It's culture. When you go into a demographic that's dominated by a specific culture, you accept that culture. That culture accepts you, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. So for 10 years, well, they've accepted me. They've seen me on my best days. They've seen me on my worst days. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and for that, we got to grow together and now I'm allowed now when I make I can make mistakes that other people can't make because that trust isn't there like can't nobody come on a school campus and raise their voice in the manner that I raise my voice because the kids know what's behind it I'm allowed I'm West Indian but then sometimes no I'm just trauma from my childhood being yelled at so I yell I got to admit it you know what I'm saying even (laughs) at 38 it's just it's my first instinct and when I'm not all together I might go back to that it may it's not every day it may be once every other month but it happens so just for the kids being able to see me make mistakes and, and grow and we seeing each other at the same time, it just, bro, it's just nothing like it, bro. Nothing like it. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. That's the most fulfilling thing is when you, you have that relationship with the kids that you, you know, you're mentoring and you know, it, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to do that. And I coached my daughter for six, seven years. And I know Tony, Tony was the man as well, led his team to state championships. So we have that background. Now, I heard you use a baller. Is that correct? You, you, you used to do your thing back on the day. 
I used to. I had a period of time where I was nice on the court. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk you talk know? about that. What's nice? Was it JUCO? You was in JUCO? It was JUCO. Yep. I played JUCO. And then uh, after JUCO, I just didn't didn't follow it. I ended up moving to Texas um, for, for my own trauma and stuff. I grew up in the Bay Area. And during the time I was playing JUCO ball, I went to college in Marin out here in um, Kent Field. Right. Right. Like a, a hop skip away from San Quentin. And um, I was playing out there, balling, going crazy. And but during that time, during that year, I lost like four or five friends to violence outside of it. And I was real close to them. And some of them were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I got the opportunity to move to Texas. I felt like that was something that was going to change my life and save my life, which I feel it did. I just it was just bad in the area that, you know, what I'm saying we were uh, 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 just chilling around and hanging around, even though I'd be in the house, it's still it still wasn't sweet like that. So yeah. um, I ended up moving and gave up the hoop dreams. You know what I mean? And I was always coaching, but yeah, Juco, Juco, I was a boy in Juco. Yeah. <laughs> what was your position? I played the two. I was short, but I played the two because I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to pass. I was just a shooter. I could come <laughs> off the screens. I could come off the screens and I didn't have a conscience. So I did I don't remember missing a shot ever in my life. So never coach a couldn't shot take me out. Like... <laughs> yeah, coach couldn't take me out because I didn't miss. So yeah, that's what's up. Now before um Oz jumps in here real quick. So how's your Spanish? Oh, it's horrible, bruh. It's horrible. <laughs> you look at for 10 years. And every a lot of students and staff too. staff still only speak. Some staff only speak to me in Spanish and challenge me. You know what I mean? And uh -huh. try and help me out. Um, the principal has even been on my back like, coach, you need to just go to school and take you some classes, bro. Like, I can even probably get you some more money if you just you've been here 10 years. What are you doing? <laughs> like all the family, all the parents, they all roast me. They only talk to me in Spanish and they laugh at me. You know what I'm saying? But see, my family and it's crazy. My dad is from St. Lucia. That's where. Uh, uh, um, Rip's father's from too and then me and Slabby's mom's from Haiti so our family speaks Creole Patois and French but they never taught it to us we were spoiled privileged Americanized mm -hmm. children we weren't forced to speak the native tongue in the house you know what I mean so one thing my granny always taught us is when you're around people speaking another language when they laugh you laugh too so whenever I hear people <laughs> laughing I laugh with them whether they're talking about me or yeah, not yeah, yeah. I laugh with them <laughs> Talking yes. all kinds of smack and you're like, <laughs> yeah, for real. So then I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to lay the challenge, man. So the next song, there's got to be a hook on there or a verse or something with you spitting in Spanish at some point. Okay. Okay. I got you. It's going to be a ghostwritten bar, though, because I'm going to have one of the kids at school write it for me. Right, but hey, I was, whatever. Right, yeah. You whatever. say I had to write it. You said I had to no, spit no, it. I'll learn it, it, it for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll learn man. it for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Now. Getting back to the cards lately, you know, I've been seeing on your page, you've been posting a ton of vintage cards, but they're featuring women, all kinds of cards, different, you know, sports. And like you said, just doing various things. And we spoke earlier about how cards can teach you lessons about history. So with this being a male dominated hobby, what's compelled you to go ahead and post these cards on your page? Man, it was the pandemic, bro. It was the pandemic. I was teaching um, from from home or engaging from home because I don't teach, but I still engage with uh, groups and with classes, right? Um, and then I was I was including them in on the hobby. I always have, I've always included them in the hobby and in a lot of my hobbies, I collect toys too. I wash cars, I do a lot of stuff and I include them in it, right? But I've been in the hobby more, so I wanted to include them more in the hobby. And I have a daughter, I have three sons and a daughter. I have a 12 year old son, a 10 year old son, a six year old son and a four year old daughter. and my, I have a Black Panther, Marvel Black Panther toy collection. And I collect anything Black Panther. So there are some female figures there too. But when my students hear me speaking and when my daughters see and hear me, my words don't back up, don't, don't, don't back up my actions or what my collection. You know what I mean? I say I love women. I say I advocate for women. I say I'm all, it's e equality and justice and all that. <laughs> but I felt like as a, first of all, as a father and an educator, that I was, it was capped. Like, bro, you just saying it because it sounds good. Look at your collection. Hmm. Like, what are you doing to learn? Or, uh, you know what I mean? You just yeah. saying it to say it because it sounds cool, bro. You got to be about that. So I literally typed into Google um, uh, most famous women sports card collector or 
women with woman with the greatest sports car collection, something like that. And a woman named Cindy Dick's name popped up. And that's who opened my eyes, not only to women's cards, that's who first dated the, the, the hobby history prior to 1868. That's what made me dig more because she had cards from the 1850s, women's on, women on them, right? Wow. And she also opened me up to Black people that I never knew anything about, bro. Like this woman literally schooled me for before I even met her. Just, just her presence and researching her and doing research, looking at her website, looking at her page, like, whoa, those Black women did that then? And then now I'm Googling, I'm reading stories and I'm now I'm buying pictures and cards and I'm, I'm, I'm emailing her like, man, you are my idol out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sharing her story because it was it was so inspiring to me. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> from there, I was on I had a heavy presence. On, I didn't have a heavy presence. I used to be on Clubhouse a lot back in the day um, when Clubhouse a little bit. Not when it first started, a little bit after it first started. You know what I'm saying? And. I used to really try and push that minority. And when I say minority in the hobby, it's not just being black or brown or a person of color, right? Whatever you identify as. And when I, I like to separate person of color and black and brown, because I, I don't feel like it's right for me to say POC and y'all struggle different than my struggle. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like everybody, everybody needs to respect each other's struggle. You know what I mean? That doesn't, that doesn't put nobody higher or lower. It's like, nah, if we may have a lot of things in common, but POC to me is an excuse to group everybody together and just say, we all facing the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but, but to be fully inclusive, uh, uh, black, brown, people of color, women, people who may collect um, things that the hobby isn't talking about. Like, Anytime you feel like you don't belong to me in the hobby, you can have that minority if we're talking full context, right? And we're just explaining, it, you feel me? So I wanted to create a space for that. And through that, I met a lot of amazing women, bro, who who, who did a lot of amazing things to, I, I, what I learned was the women are here, I can step back now. Like I remember a woman told me was like, man, we we just didn't know that there was so much of an absence here because it's in that it's, it's all over the world. Women are undervalued, period. You know what I mean? And they've been undervalued for a long time. So the women were just like, man, we just need the platform. You know what I mean? We'll take it from here. We just need the platform and the support. And y'all keep on telling the stories, but we don't have to carry the torch for them. And then finding Cindy Dick was just confirmation that she's been doing this her whole life. You know what I mean? She's dedicated her life to making sure women's history is told and valued for its stories and for what the people have done and everything that they've, yeah, for everything that they've done. So that's what really sparked it, bro. Me putting the mirror in my face and being like, nah, you hold yourself accountable, bro. You're not, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, from there, auntie. And then it's dope because she was appreciative. Nobody had given her flowers like that. You know what I'm saying? She's like us. She's like, she's a humble person. She's just doing it because she wanted to do it. And she didn't know that the hobby world existed in the way it existed too. So she was happy that she was gaining so many followers. She was happy that she was learning about the hobby. When we went out to national, we got to meet her and link up with her. And that was a surreal experience for me. Like I could have literally walked away from the hobby right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all these big names in the hobby. That's cool. You feel me? But somebody who like I admire just based off what they've done, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure there's three names in the hobby that people admire them for what they've done. But for, for her to be kind of an unknown, there were people who knew her, but for her to be an unknown and for now to be getting so many flowers, man, it's just amazing. You know what? I just got goosebumps, bro. Seriously, like <laughs> that's deep. No, seriously, man, because it's like the, you got somebody like that, that they're just doing their thing and she's, you know, collecting these cards and, and, and basically building this history, you know, of, of women and, and, and all kinds of, you know, like you said, the minority voice, not necessarily, you know, people of color. It's just, you know, people that don't have that voice or that platform, but she was doing it. And, and, and you, you know, connecting with her, it just helped her to bring all what she was doing all, you know, by herself. And now everybody's seeing, you know, her passion and it, it's just, it's educational and it's eye opening. And like I said, that just gave me goosebumps, bro. That 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 that's deep. That's that's deep, man. Yeah, shout out Auntie, man. Shout out Auntie for real. <laughs> yeah, she's 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 something else, man. I, I, I we've been following her. I'm like, wow, she she's got it going on there. But yeah. uh, now let me ask you about the mint collective. Okay. 
what led you guys to be a part of that? You know, how'd you land the hosting gig and just let everybody know what it is. You know, I know it did get rescheduled, right? Wasn't it like it was originally said, okay. Yeah. So just, you know, let everybody know what it is and, and you know, every, every detail about it. Yep. So you see, this is good. See y'all the first ones. All right. So Mint, Mint reached out to RPS. I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to start from the front. Mint reached out to RPS six, seven months ago. And they said, uh, Hey, we love for y'all to perform and host at our show. And we said, thank you. We, we appreciate it. Thank you. Send a contract. You know what I mean? Like we love to perform. That's what we do. We told them straight up y'all seeing the vision and seeing like putting live entertainers who actually entertain about the hobby at a card show makes sense to us. You know what I mean? And obviously y'all see it. So it makes sense to y'all too. Right. So, um, the, the show was originally supposed to be in January. It got postponed. They asked us to host and to perform. Um, I'm just going to keep it all the way a hundred with y'all. I don't know when y'all going to air this, but, uh, before today, we didn't even know if we were going to perform, man, I'm gonna keep it 100. Uh, that yeah yeah we we've i don't know if y'all been looking at my story the past few days but we've been very vocal about how we've been treated right mm-hmm. and especially when there's contracts and ink involved and when we see other things that people of color uh people of color and black people are being treated one way or not being treated one way and everybody else is being treated or catered to or supported or given opportunities right and um um yeah so at, Long story short, um, we will still be at Mint, okay? We will be at Mint. We will be speaking. We'll be uh, hosting. Whatever hosting means to them is just taking control of social media. Like, we've hosted show, We've hosted things before, and that means we emceeing. We on the mic. We engaging. They didn't say anything about that. Hey, shout out, Mint. You know what I mean? Thank you for the opportunity. We had the pleasure of, of meeting Ezra today on the call and also Blake, somebody at IMG. You know what I mean? So they finally placed the value where it was supposed to be before they had us talking to people who were trying to get the job done but just couldn't. You know what I mean? And as much as I wanted to, to lie and not keep it real about how the situation was going, the people need to know that like we're fighting for these things and behind the scenes, there's some shady things that go on. You know what I mean? So when we keep things a secret and we don't tell the whole story, it's because we know we know the truth. And with the, when it comes to the truth, you know, bro, you research, I research, I'm, I'm divorced, all right? And I'm, I'm divorced and I'm divorced uh, to the point where I had to do my own research like I was a divorced woman. Like I became the woman. So there's nothing you can hide from me. You know what I'm saying? Especially if it's on the internet. There's nothing yeah. you can hide from me. You know what I'm saying? So um, just after doing our research, bro, uh, on the hobby and how people have been treated or not been treated, just the lack of seeing us in the hobby and, and seeing the way we have been treated, watching how other people have been treated and then being treated in a certain way just leads us to believe that this is common practice. And if it's not common practice, maybe they don't know they're doing it. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. So we just wanna make it aware. You know what I mean? Everything ain't always sweet, ain't always cookies. And when RPS first came on, we were the high friendly type of guys and they walked all over us, bro. But now that we're telling them no, like now that we're, it's crazy now they is now now they now they're listening like now that we have to pull out the suge knights and now that we got to pull out all these different type of techniques to 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 be respected and it's not for us bro like i feel like rps we've been here a year and a half we don't have a million dollar card and we've been in the rooms with these million dollar card people like there's not a room we haven't been invited to or been in so rps is cool we're not doing this for rps bro we serve communities there's people out there who are greater than RPS that don't get no shine for their respective hustle and what they do. And they've been doing it. If it wasn't for them, RPS wouldn't have um, the, 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 some of the platform they have to, to, to be successful. You know what I mean? And that's what it's about. It's not just about RPS. It's about y'all. How do y'all, how have y'all, this is y'all saying this y'all first podcast. How do y'all put together something like that so well? You know what I'm saying? And it's y'all first time. Like to me, y'all, y'all should, Second y'all go, y'all should sprout up faster than a lot of these people, but we don't have us, a lot of us supporting us like that. And we got to let us know that we here. You know what I mean? So then that way we can support each other. That's why when y'all reached out, bro, I was like, man, ASAP. You know what I'm saying? Y'all said, I think I said it. Y'all said all the sight words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was, I, I actually reached out to you for that, you know, and, um, and it wasn't about that 
you know, per se, but right. just, but just because, you know, it's just, it's different in it. And like right now I know Oz kind of froze, so he'll, he'll be back, but l- like that kind of leads into the next question that, you know, he and I, we were both raised in Reading, Pennsylvania, you know, in the city and things like that. So at that time, and still there was one card shop in town. And so my, our, I can speak our family. We there's, there was nothing of no collectors. They don't know anything about that. It was go to work, you know, put food on the table, you know, rinse, repeat, recycle. So in, in our culture like that, this, this is all, it's just new. It's still new, you know, because you, like, I, like I said to you, if you look at the leagues, uh, you know, there's look at the NBA. The NBA is ruled by minority players. Now, are there minority collectors? Maybe not so much. So, you know, those are things that how do we get people to engage and, and grow that community? Because it, it just it helps everybody. Yeah. So, you know, that's just something that that uh, hopefully, you know, it just we keep to continue and grow in the hobby and, and all that stuff. And, you know, we just figure it out, you know. This this is how we do it right here, though, bro. Like the same thing y'all doing is action. You know what I mean? And it doesn't happen overnight. But this just right here, somebody's gonna watch this and see you and be like, "Then I could do that too." You know what I mean? Somebody younger's be inspired, and they're gonna do it better. Somebody's gonna hear what we do and be like, "Man, we can do that too," and they're gonna do it better. You know what I mean? That's what we're all planting seeds. Y'all planting seeds right now. You know what I mean? And there's gonna I know because. Y'all are different. You know what I mean? I'm not just blowing smoke up y'all ass and everything I said. And We've been approached by a lot of people in this space. Nobody has came correct like y'all. Nobody. And there's people who have came. For, I'm not going to say nobody. That's, that, that, that's putting two on the 10. But, man, if we've been approached 20 times, we've been came correct three. You know what I mean? I put it to you like that. And it it feels good because then it automatically tells me we have more than just a hobby in common. Like y'all see something more than, you know what I mean? More relatable. You know what I mean? So that intrigues us to y'all at the same time. So we're just as excited to, to be on this platform, bro, as y'all to have us on for real, for real. Appreciate it. Yeah. As we were saying before, you kind (laughs) of disappeared into the uh, internet abyss there. I missed like uh, 30 minutes. I missed uh, the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, well, then you just wait till you hear it back, you know. Man, I'm like, man. But, um, and, you know, we can lead into your question at seven. Mm -hmm. Pete's just talking about, you know, how we're saying, you know, just the the community that we were brought up in and just that we don't, you know, collecting is foreign. You know, like I said, you know, I, I do know, like I told Oz, we were talking about the other day. I do know how to go to the bar with my grandfather, rest in peace. You know, he'd give me 50 cents, go sit in the corner and play shuffleboard. I'm going to have a beer and then we're going to go home and yeah, it'll be cool. <laughs> so, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he, he told me that story the other day, Pete. It was crazy. I had no idea that, you know, grandpa was taking him to the silver dollar bar, you know, right around the corner. <laughs> from the, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, I, I knew that if we went this way, we was going to the bar and then, you know, I'd be playing <laughs> shuffleboard. He'd get the six pack. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm a little bit older. So, you know what I mean? I never got to experience that. I was like, oh, wow. that's, that's <laughs> But yeah, that, that, that was how we, we grew up, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and I remember I, I went to uh, Catholic school my whole life, you know? So when we first Same started, here, our, yeah, Same yeah. Oh, so, you know, what's up, but, ripping, you know, ripping, ripping a slab too, bro. We probably, our, our, our parents struggled two, three jobs to make sure they did what they thought that was best. Yeah. They were we're first generation Americans. Our family migrated here. So they thought to work 10 jobs and put us in private school was the best thing. And it was yeah. for us specifically. I didn't yes. mean to cut you off, but we cut. No, no, no. But that's we the same. same yeah, you said yeah. cut from the same cloth. And that's what it was. My parents struggling to put us through, you know, and my, my older brothers, you know, they went to public school. So when, you know, they're probably like 10 years ahead of me. So when they started seeing me going to public school, they were, I mean, a uh, Catholic school, they're like, you know, what's up with you? Why you think you're so special that I, you know, talk a little bit of shit. I was like, listen, it's not that it's that I, I like, you know, the, the environment. And, you know, at that time I was religious as hell. So it was just, and then my mom, she, you know, talk about religious, you know, that's all my dad was a deacon and my mom still to this day, my dad has passed, but my mom, she's every day at the church. 
So she honestly wanted me, me to become a priest. And obviously that didn't happen. So, uh, but, you know, getting back <laughs> to the whole thing. Not in that way. You still going, man, you got that mic in your, you still, you're still in a position of power though, to change lives. So oh. we going to manifest that, that greatness that mom's seen in you for show, for show. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And that, you know, honestly, dude, I, you know, and it's not like to, to tap myself, but it's like, I was thinking about that because my mom, she had a way with words and she always was in front of congregations and doing her thing. And she's just a little four foot two little old lady. And, but she demands that respect and she'll get in front of a crowd. Like she'll try to act all meek and humble and then and, and shy around me. And then she'll get out in front of a crowd of about 1500, 2000 people and just preach. <laughs> Am I lying? Tone in my no, line. No, yeah, no. <laughs> like, like, nah, she's, nah, nah, she's, she's something to be she's seen. Worldwide. She's, she's worldwide. She's worldwide. She's been all over the world, dude. Yeah, it's like yeah. something like, to be seen. <laughs> it's, 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 it's insane. And, and I was just thinking, I was like, man, we, we can get on this mic and we can we can do something. Yeah. And maybe I just got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of her and me that that can help me, uh, you know, get get the, the message that we want to get across. And that's crazy. Yep. I just wrote that question thing about talking about collective and it's like, what? <laughs> I read, when I read the men collective question, I was like, ooh. Because <laughs> we talk to them, everything's good. We're trying to, you know what I'm saying? We're working through it. They're doing what they can to honor that contract and hopefully moving forward, like we said, we just don't want it to happen to anybody else. That's all. Yeah, we want stuff to be clear. We know there's a there's practice in this hobby of just stuff getting swept under the rug and just, you know what I'm saying? Slapping a hand. That, that Bro, that's like that, that's, that's life, dude. That's life, and that and and there's nothing wrong with calling it out. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like for so long we just been like, all right, just accepting it, and you know, you sometimes you just gotta stand your ground and be like, listen, this is what it is. Period. So if yeah. you want us to be there, these are the rules we gotta follow. If everybody else is following these rules, we just want to be, you know, like y'all y'all said, building your table. Y'all building your table. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. So let's get back. Um, let's be, let's get back to the kids. All yeah. right. Cousin Tony and I, we both grew up, we were raised in the city of Reading, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia during the nostalgia era. I like to call it the nostalgia era instead of the junk wax era. Right. Because, That's treasure wax, man. Yeah, bro. You know what's up. It's like everybody talk about that junk wax. It's like, listen, everybody that's our age, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. That's what we grew up on. And that's why everybody's coming back to the hobby because of that nostalgia, that treasure wax. And it's like, let's not, you know, is it worth as much? No, but still that nostalgia has brought us all back into the hobby. So that's what I like to call it. And, um, you know, back then in the day, there was only like one card shop in the town. So there wasn't much promotion geared towards the kids and, and getting them involved in collecting. And you obviously have the experience working with the kids. So how would you and your peoples, you know, basically handle the process of getting them interested in the hobby and getting started as collectors for the kids? It all depends. It all depends. And there's no right answer or easy answer for me. Like I'm like, y'all, I don't know all, everything, but I've tried certain things that have helped or that have worked and certain things that haven't failed and that have failed, haven't worked at the same time. Like I'll start with my family per se, like my own kids at home. I don't know how to force my kids to collect. You know what I mean? Um, Sometimes they have their ways, but sometimes all they want to do is rip Pokemon and other times they can care less about it. And for me at school, it's easy at the schools. I ask the kids what they like. I can put it in their hand. Right. And um, I I don't think I try as hard with my kids. I don't, that's what it is with my own personal kids with the kids at school. I break it down to where, okay, you may not want to be the football player, but dang, I wish I had that card. But for example, a James Harden mosaic card from 1920, I think, where he had on that MVP suit. I met the lady who 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 dresses him, who styles him on Clubhouse, right? Mm-hmm. And she also styles Serena Williams. She also styles PJ Tucker. She also styles a host of other people. How raw is that to bring a basketball card into my, it was my Zoom class at the time, but be like, hey, y'all, check it out. Oh, I met the lady who put James Harden in this fit, 
Like now I got something to relate to to the, my middle school students. They're like, what? Yeah, I like style. I like this. Woo, 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 woo. You know what I mean? And then that that's there. That's easy to bridge that gap there like that. So with my with my kid, with my students, I always try and find photography, art. You know what I mean? Um, man, even man, I remember when we first got asked for the what to do the one mint thing as a project for a lot of my middle schoolers that I actually paid them for, they did research on a lot of these CEOs. And I, I just went into class, I gave a brief overview of what these people do and whoever were interested in what somebody was doing, I paid them to do research on them. You know what I mean? And a lot of young girls were doing research on some of the women that they had at men. I had more girls participating than boys. You know what I mean? So I think just being able to let them know it exists and like you said, we didn't know. Our families didn't collect. And if even if our families collected, I doubt they would have been investors or the top 10 percentile of people who can make real money. You know what I'm saying? In this hobby with those type of cars, when you get in there, like we didn't have that education. Like I remember when um we I had Wiz Collector on our platform and I was asking him and he had said the same exact thing. Like we were collecting cars back then, but we didn't know though. We didn't know people were would, would buy or were buying and selling. We didn't know that they were, you know what I'm saying? This, market existed had we have known and somebody would have made it look or sound cool you don't think we would have kept going or tried it right right so so now now bro now it's easy now because now i get to use rap and hip-hop and you know what i mean and i'm 38 but i'm I, I drink the same water and eat the same lunches the kid eats so my gray hairs like to stay hidden a little bit you know what i'm saying <laughs> and so uh i like to just be with the kids and build that rapport and know what they're doing, know what they like. And it's easier to, to build that bridge with the cars, but really all you got to literally do is put it in their hands, bro. And from there, a lot of them go do their own research. You know what I mean? And then I get humbled because I find out that a lot of them collect or want to collect. They just don't have the means to. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. So it's, but then there's those kids who can care less. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure, there's sure. who can care less too at the same time. So I just try and make sure they know it's an option. They know it's fun. Um, I'll tell y'all a story. I'll tell y'all one story that I learned too during the pandemic is, is what I learned about the card. So I, I, I had intervention groups during the pandemic where um, X amount of students would log on just like we are now. And we'd talk, we'd wrap it up. We'd talk about our problems, right? I had this one gentleman who, um, it was his first first time jumping into my class. It was just me and him. His mom wanted him to come talk to me and his teacher thought it would be best too because he was dealing with anxiety in class. Whenever there was a test, whenever he would either be done with his work, not done with his work, whatever it was, anything would trigger him. He'd start shaking, he'd disengage and he was a well-behaved kid. It wasn't like he was being mischievous. He was literally anxious. So I had him on and he was explaining, while he's explaining it to me, he's shaking. He's like, coach, I shake while, you know what I mean? I'm taking tests, I'm nervous. I don't know if I did good or not. And it just drives me crazy. And his mom told me that, you know, he plays video games and sometimes the video games trigger him. I, we all know that we hate, especially if you, he was in fourth grade. No fourth grader likes losing in video games. Every video game cheats from fourth grade to now, every video game cheats. That's when you realize video games cheat, right? So he was going through that spell to where even at home, all his mom's seeing is triggers. Anything he does triggers, right? So she's taking things away from him, right? Trying to, you know, stop these triggers. So, and mind you, during this time, we're in the pandemic, bro. We're in this class. He's in his parents' minivan. Moms and pops is cleaning people's homes. Wow. So perspective, right? Perspective. Yeah, yeah. Moms and pops is cleaning people's homes. Literally, you see them going in and out the minivan, grabbing stuff. Like, that's how his pandemic was. He's learning from the car. You know what I mean? And he's still anxious. And so I'm talking to him I'm like, dang, bro, I admire you. I, I have those same symptoms and I'm 38 and I don't know how to deal with them. You know what I mean? So I, I, sometimes I have to be honest with these kids. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and let them know that they go through a whole lot more than us adults do because we know how to manage a lot of this. You know what I mean? Or we know how to just push it to the side. Some of us have vices that, that allow us to take it out of our brain. These kids, all they have is their brain and the trauma and whatever else is around them. And there's no filter. As much as adults, we feel we're doing a great job. We know at times that we can be doing better. You know what I'm saying? But there's, no, there's nothing we can do. Kids feel more emotions than anything. And this gentleman was feeling that. So I said, well, what makes you feel better? He said, man, this came out of nowhere. He said, I like Pokemon cards. 
Hmm. So shaking. He said, I like Pokemon cards. I said, you like Pokemon cards? Where are your cards at? My kids got cards. I'll go get my cards. You go get your cards. He said, man, my mom took them away when she took away my video games because she said it makes me, it, it gets me upset. I went like this. I pulled out my kids' Pokemon cards like this. He stopped shaking. Wow. He stopped shaking. So That's I said, incredible. hey, bro. I said, bro, you just stop shaking. He said, yeah, I know. I love Pokemon. So I asked him, I'll talk to moms. You know what I'm saying? But what can we do in the interim just in case, you know, you don't get those cards? What can you do? Well, man, I I like drawing too. I'm going to start drawing my own Pokemon figures. or I'm going to start drawing my own characters and things like that. You know, and then we got to where now he has the Pokemons, you know what I'm saying, in moderation, but he has that back now. Not to say it healed everything. And that's everybody's, that's going to heal everybody. But it saved that one kid in a moment, in a pandemic, right? He's not at home. He's being forced to learn from a minivan while his parents are, are doing the same thing our parents did and would have had to do during the pandemic because there wasn't no babysitter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Unless it was grandma and grandpa, you know what I mean? But still, they were working back then too. So we would have been with them working or we would have been with moms and pops working. So yeah. it was just perspective, bro. You know what I mean? And it, it just let me know how privileged and thankful I was to grow up how I did. You know, and like I said, I learned from him. I learned I learned from him, but that was something I had to share with the cards and that that just happened last year. And that was the first like wow moment I had with cards and kids other than, oh, I collect him. Thank you. I hit this. I hit that. The normal stuff we go through. That right. was healing and cards is healing for me now. Like that's literally what it is now. When I go look at my collection it's oh, yeah. When I get when that card come in the mail. Oh yeah, I got this gold for five dollars. Let's go. <laughs> Tone, talk about that. We was the one episode we were talking about how it's almost cathartic. Um, yeah, how the hobbies helped you. Like seriously, it, it, it's helped me, but I know it's helped you. Um, you know, with with, with life. Like yeah. t- t- tell that. It has, man. It has. Um, man, first, like it, during the pandemic is when we really started. It helped us because we were in separate homes. 95% of the music y'all hear, we made from three different locations. Like we made all that music during the pandemic. I'd be, Jive literally gave us equipment, old equipment he had and said, huh, y'all record y'all verse. I'll tell y'all what button, he taught us how to press one button. That's all I know. And I press that one button, record, I stop, I send it to him. You know what I mean? We were doing all of this. We were, we were playing the safe game. Him and his wife were expecting a child. You know what I mean? So we didn't want to force being together. We just wanted to create and it, when I first started collecting, it was with my dad and my brother. So when we got back into the hobby, it was with my brother. My, my other brother about to come through right now, that's the only person that would collect and buy wax with me. Like, you know what I'm saying? When when times were, were, were no, during the years before the big boom, you know what I mean? So, um, man, just the, the family, it's, it's the family thing. That's the best part about it is it's Rip, that's my cousin slab that's my brother you know what i mean we we grew up together we've experienced stuff together but this is the closest the three of us have ever been in our lives you know what i mean like this that we of course we've been at every family reunion when there's birthday parties we see each other um we've we've supported job through his career you know what i'm saying in high school and things but we've never been like that like we are now you know what i mean so that's that's just the blessing to come is that we get to create it our kids are watching it our wives are involved in it you know what I mean? When they want to be, they allow us, they provide it. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? So just the whole family part of it, bro. And just trying to emulate that in everything we do and keep that, you know, keep that together. That's what, that's what we're trying to do, bro. That's where, that's where it's at for us. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, listen, just talking to you, I could just tell, bro, you love this hobby. You've been doing this your whole entire life since you've been a kid, you know, just ripping that wax. Um, you're so passionate and it comes across. So just share your wisdom, you know, your enthusiasm with, with our newer collectors. Like I said, this, this hobby and, and you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So we decided to go ahead and get make this podcast for the new people coming in. What advice would you give to someone brand new or even someone who's like just stuck in a rut? You know, they, they started collecting. They kind of went down the wrong path, you know maybe buying too many boxes, wasn't getting any case hits, wasting a lot of money. And now they're just kind of stuck in a rut and, and, and they're almost to the point where it's like, man, I don't know if this hobby's for me. You know, how can these individuals set themselves up for success? 
Well, first off, before I say my selfish answer and what I did and what helped me, I say find a community, man. I think I think finding a community and that that the first thing I was gonna say was research. Like literally, I tell you to go to 1868, challenge everything you heard me say. See if you can correct me or see if you can add something to that or challenge yourself. Find a player, find something that that you like, you know what I mean? And it's out there in the hobby. But I would really say find a community. Um, I, first, I would say collect what you like, find what you love first. But sometimes seeing and feeling how other, because you need a community in this hobby, unless you're just going to be by yourself like I was for 15 years just collecting by myself and not knowing you need a community you know what I mean so I think honestly I would have been I'd be happier finding a community first before I found a PC you know what I mean I'd be happier finding somebody that accepted me for not knowing anything and be willing to teach me everything I wanted to know like whoever would be willing to open be patient with me and it's, sorry, my puppy is over here biting stuff. Here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoever would be willing to be patient because the hot bro, I'm still learning about these parallels and all this and all that. Nobody knows everything, but there are so many intelligent people in the hobby. You know what I mean? Who, who have platforms, who teach and educate, who have amazing communities and other communities outside of that. Find a community find out what you love either or once you if you if you find out what you want to collect or what you like what you love first cool go after that do that but research man i, I said this is one thing i will say don't be in a rush to spend money all right because just like we said the junk what people say the junk wax era was back you know in our generation 80s to 90s type thing bro when i go to card shows it looks like the junk wax ever never ended era never yeah. ended Mm -hmm. so like true every card there's not a card you can't see on ig or on ebay or at a card show now i love it don't get me wrong that's my candy but if you're gonna call the junk wax era the 80s we're st when did it end <laughs> when that's did the, it the end junk slab the junk slab <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah bro i tell people just to find what you like like me after, after I found out Cindy Dick, who she was and what she liked, and it opened my eyes to stuff, I started going after women who, who had accomplished things, you know what I mean? Who are like the first to accomplish things and trying to get their cards so I could tell their stories, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like when I was a kid, I collected Sprewell and Gary Payton because uh, I lived in the Bay Area. I wasn't a Warriors fan. I was a Sonic fan. I was a Seattle Sonic fan, but I love Sprewell's swag. Like his yeah. swag was just, he was his style. I loved it. I wanted to be like Spree and GP growing up. So that's who I collected growing up. And then like the, the, the only other time I tried to have a PC from then to before now was in 2016 or 17. I tried to PC Thon Maker. Thon Maker. <laughs> okay. So we all have our failures in this hobby. <laughs> but that's back when his, you know, his, his National Treasures autos were still like 50, 60, but this is, this is a different time. But to me, yeah. that was $500 back then. Like oh, yeah. spending $70 on a prison box in 2014 to me was equivalent to spending whatever it is now. Yeah. It was the same thing. Cause you're thinking a hundred cards for $70, but now you're paying <laughs> 500. Now you're paying 500 for those 70 cards. Yeah, man. I remember my first big purchase. I was like, I went downstairs to my man cave, my little basement area. Cause I was just looking at my phone, eBay, and I was like, "Oh my God!" I went downstairs. I'm looking at it. It was a Charles Barkley uh, autograph, '86 Fleer. I didn't even know. I was like, "Oh, this is." It said Gem Mint 10, but it was just for the auto. It wasn't for the card. So, but I didn't know. I was like, "Oh man, this looks dope." You know, Charles Barkley was my man. But I'm looking at that price. It was like a G or something like that. And then I'm like, "Oh my God!" I hadn't spent more than like 50 bucks on a card. Yeah. But I got that bug. I I got that FOMO in me. You know, the, the, the hobby's going off. I got to do something. I got to make me a, you know, a big purchase here. I got to get yeah. into it. And I'm, dude, I'm sweating. My wife is upstairs. I hear her footsteps going back and forth. <laughs> I'm like, dude, if she catches me spending this money on this card, I am <laughs> done. Like, seriously, like, I, I was sweating. And it took me about 10, 15 minutes before I hit that buy it now. And now it's like, it's like nothing. It's like, oh, hat, you know, just like. You, you know you start with those just buying you know cards on ebay or or not even ebay just facebook groups real cheap raw cards buying bad bad you know dollar auctions two dollar auctions and now you're talking like five thousand six thousand seven thousand like whew, it just gets crazy but yeah, uh, yeah man I, I was there i knew how to, i knew how that was <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, man. But man, it's, it's been a ride. My, my other brother I was telling you about Trail just walked in. Trail Spreetail, who been our first, you know what I'm saying, uh -oh. RPS first solo artist. You know what I'm saying? The first solo artist in the hobby. I just had a solo artist in the hobby, but Spreetail, the first one to bless the tracks and be on the album and do all of that. There's a lot of talent in the hobby, like people who actually rapped, who now like, oh, Y'all doing that, man? Yeah, I want a piece of that too. And we, we think it's dope. Like, we feel like if more people who want to, who, who you know what I'm saying, who's relatable, add their sauce to it, man, it can be a genre that helps the, the monetary value of the hobby. That helps the sustainability of the hobby. That brings more people into the hobby. You know what I mean? So, we we going to ride this train, man. Word up, word up. Well, Dude, let me, you know, let me go ahead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'll just start singing with you. But, dude, I, you know, I just want to thank you for your time, man. We appreciate it. Um, like, like I said, man, you could just tell the passion about everything from, you know, from start to finish. You can tell whatever, whatever you're talking about, you're passionate about it, and it's coming through. So, you know, we appreciate it. I'm sure the kids that you work with appreciate it too, even though you know they might not get it, but they do. They will one day. If they don't, they will one day. Absolutely. I didn't get it till I was 28. And that's a long time. When I was 28, every lesson that any adult told me, I was and I was, it took me to move to Austin, move away from my family and be thousands of miles away and be on my own. And I was like, dang, that's what they was talking about. <laughs> okay. That's what my third grade teacher was talking about. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but before we get out of here, man, let everybody know where yeah. they can find you, where they can see you, hear you, all, all that stuff. Man, every, every streaming platform, you can look up Rip Pack and Slab, uh, Rip Hamiltop, Slabby Sosa, or Peter Pac-Man. Our music will pop up. Same thing for YouTube. But like I said, we're in all streaming, all, all streaming platforms in all stores. Um, stream it, buy it. Uh, illegally download it, do whatever you want to do. Just slap it. If, it. if you like it, make sure you get it. We understand some people ain't got the means. You know what I mean? Um, um, IG, you can find us at Rip Pack and Slab underscore in between each one. Slabby dot Sosa, Javid Best, and uh, Peter underscore Pac-Man, uh, Spree Tail, Trully Trail. Uh, yeah, man, just, uh, man, we, man, thank you all for having us on. I say us because even when it's one of us, even when it's just me or just slab, we, we always together. You know what I mean? You're never going to, if I say I, I still mean them because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them and it wouldn't be no Peter Pac-Man and everything we do. It's, it's three of us. You know what I'm saying? They were just busy this evening. <laughs> so they, was, they weren't able to come on, but, um, yeah, man, thank you all for having us on. Uh, man, any way we can support y'all in the future moving forward, tap in. Um, yeah, it's organic, for real, for real. It is, it is, man. Like I said, I felt the connection even before I, I, you know, we talked today. I just felt something. I seen you, and I was like, we got to get this dude on. And, and, dude, you didn't disappoint. This is probably the best interview I think I've had. You know, I just – I could just feel a connection. I, I don't know how to explain it. I just feel a connection. We're going to be at a show. We're going to be at a show one day on the main stage doing the same thing mm. at a show, not they show a show. With that said, bro, we'll let you go again. We appreciate it. Good luck and everything. And, you know, we'll see you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I'll tap in with y'all, man. All right. All right thank you. All right, y'all have a good one. Peace out. Hey, yo, Cousin Tone. What an interview, my dude. Are you kidding me? Peter Pac-Man did not disappoint. I mean, sometimes in life, bro, you're just part of something that words cannot describe. Unbelievable interview. It was educational. It was informative. It was funny. And more than anything, bro, it was honest. I mean, my man kept it real, and we here at Cousins Collectibles are sincerely grateful for that. So thank you, Peter Pack, man. Thank you for sharing your story, and thank you to all the listeners, man. We appreciate all your support and feedback. Please don't forget to check us out on IG at Cousins underscore Collectibles, and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And as always, keep focused, keep positive, and keep collecting. Ayo, hey, Tone. Bring the beat back.